All right, if you have a Bible, go with me to Deuteronomy 5 and uh, Mark 2. Deuteronomy 5, Mark 2. And uh, we're on a, a Lenten series that we call Receive the Gift of Sabbath. And today's going to be part two. Uh, I'm going to share for a few minutes, and then we're going to actually uh, have a panel to expound and flesh out uh, Scripture on Sabbath. As we're inviting you, uh, everyone in our community at New Life Fellowship, to actually engage in the spiritual formation discipline of Sabbath keeping for a 24-hour period. So if you were not here last week, uh, we want to ask you to go to our website, and you can either download uh, the audio or watch the video uh, of last week. And we encourage everyone to do that as we get a foundation of what we're doing here this seven-week period uh, during Lent. Uh, but our text uh, is really from Deuteronomy uh, 5, is the, is the second rendering of the Ten Commandments uh, from Moses. And uh, it reads, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord our God. On it you shall not do any work. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And, and so this was given, uh, you know, 3,500 years ago. Uh, but of course, it got abused at certain moments in history, and especially during the time of Jesus, became a new legalism. But then Jesus really brought it back to its original purpose, which was freedom. And uh, in a great debate, and he was healing on the Sabbath, he says, hey, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. You've missed the whole point. And what we're trying to do here at New Life is capture the, the life, the joy, the delight that God originally intended for us with, with Sabbath and uh, as part of our you know, following of Jesus. So as I begin this, this, this morning, I, I want to talk to you about a German philosopher named Joseph Piper. And uh, he was quite famous in his day. And he wrote a little essay uh, that was well known, and it was called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. And he wrote this in Germany, 1946. He had already lived through World War I. World War II had just ended in Germany. Uh, you had the explosion of, of Europe. Western Europe was in all this frenzy to rebuild. And then Eastern Europe, you had communism sweeping uh, the whole Eastern Bloc, which is all about work. And, and he wrote this little essay. And he basically was trying to remind both the communists and, and the workaholic Westerners that the whole foundation of Western culture was always built on a concept called leisure. Leisure, L-E-I-S-U-R, leisure. And in fact, this goes back to Aristotle, goes back to Plato, goes back to the Greeks. The whole foundation of the Middle Ages and the building of the university system was built on something called leisure. And because the word leisure, actually in its original language in Greek and Latin, meant school, to go to school. And uh, school doesn't mean school, actually. It means leisure. Tell that to your teachers when you go back to class, all right? Because it was the place where you were taught and you would learn. And uh, it's, it's unrecognizable, the thought of school and leisure today, because we think of school as upward mobility. I get some skills so I can make more money. Because we so value work. Everything's about production. And uh, the whole purpose of school is upward mobility. And, and so the way we even view the colleges and universities today has really changed over the generations. But when, when universities and colleges began in the Middle Ages, it was about leisure. That is, it was about the liberal arts. You studied philosophy, you studied literature, you studied the arts. And they, they were concerned about knowledge, becoming good, virtuous men and women, uh, becoming wise. And it was about leisure. And, and uh, it wasn't a means to accomplish something else. It was you went 
to school for leisure, to learn, to grow as a person, to be wise. But then over the centuries, it became more and more, especially today, the other arts were added beyond liberal arts. Things like business and economics and engineering and medicine, that you went to school and to, to learn something so that you can do something else, to get a job. You get skills for employment. How will this fit into the five-year, 10-year plan of the economy? Everything must have a purpose. What are the wages of this? And so school became this tension of, I'm here to get a job? That's why kids will say to you, why am I learning this? What a waste of time. What is this going to do for my future? And, 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 uh, but his argument, Joseph Piper, was that a country, he was talking to countries, a country for its own good must make space for that which is not useful work, that which is leisure. In other words, you, that's why communism used to crush the arts, because it was a waste of time. It wasn't producing a, a bigger economy or a bigger military. It's the difference he, in the Middle Ages they talked about when you study a rose, you can study a rose as a scientist. You dissect it, you analyze it, um, you're, you're organizing it, you're comparing it to other plants. That's the analytical, logical thought. That's one way of learning, and it's important. The other way of coming to it is you come to it and you contemplate that rose. You enter into that rose. You don't strain to understand it. You actually receive its beauty and an effortless awareness of pondering that rose, insights come. And the point when universities first began is you need both types of learning. It's not one or the other. And that a full human existence, Piper wrote, is that cannot be, you can't just have work. It needs leisure. It's really the, we talk a lot about New Life Fellowship, a Sabbath and contemplation. You need both activity and work, but you need a foundation of contemplation. You need work, but you need Sabbath rest. And so, uh, and, and Piper would write that when, when, you, when you engage in contemplation or leisure, you are basically abiding by your true nature. That is, you're not in control. God is, and you're affirming life like God affirms life. Sabbath, friends, is an affirmation of life. God looks at the first creation, at creation in Genesis 1, uh, at the first Sabbath, and says, it is good. It is very good. And uh, by its very nature, Sabbath leads to worship and, 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 and celebration. And Piper concludes his essay by saying this, because it leads to Sabbath and worship, he writes, that when your life is all about work, 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 he says, when it invades all of life, it ultimately becomes demonic because it diminishes your humanity and your ability to appreciate and worship. And uh, because you no longer see the world clearly, your learning has become incredibly narrow. And so Sabbath, or leisure as Piper would say, is the center point and the foundation of life. And everything builds off of that. It's the basis of culture. Ah, oh, it's a fascinating, fascinating ex exercise. And, and he writes, it's the gateway to freedom. So it's with that, in mind that we are engaged in slowing you down and we are moving as a community trying to get you to experiment and wrestle with sabbath keeping for a seven week period beginning this weekend hopefully some of you are actually experimenting this week for the first time sabbath keeping is so rich as a spiritual formation discipline i mean it's bottomless some of you came to me this past week and said you know what even i've been doing sabbath for a couple of years but i feel like i'm entering into a, a whole new arena because as you enter into this, it leads from one thing to another, and other questions come up and other issues before you realize it's pervading your entire spiritual life. And so we're asking you to take um, you know, a 24-hour period, either from 6 p.m. last night to 6 p.m. tonight, or 
6 p.m. Friday night to Saturday night, uh, depending on your work schedules. But we encourage you to do this one first if you're not working on weekends. Light a candle, blow it out, of course, after a few minutes, and, um, uh, and, and celebrate Sabbath with these four qualities. Again, I'm not going to repeat uh, the, uh, the whole sermon from last week, but, but to engage in a rhythm of your life, to build some rituals and traditions into your life, single or married. Now, again, um, we have rituals for birthdays, right? How you sing happy birthday, perhaps, or how you celebrate Christmas or holidays. Uh, so we're encouraging you to develop some traditions that fit you. And so what we're trying, at least at New Life, is start with a candle. Let's all have, a, you know, 1,200 of us, we start with a candle, you know, at 6 o'clock. And so, you know, when you're lighting your candle, so is a lot of other people at New Life scattered around the city of New York. And again, this is not a legalism. This is a gift to, to receive. And what I love about this Deuteronomy, one, Deuteronomy 5 command of, of, the, of the Ten Commandments is that the point is that you're no longer a slave in Egypt. Before uh, they were set free, the, the, the Jews were slaves for 400 plus years. You're no longer a slave. You're a free human being. And Sabbath is for free people to let God take care of them. And, and uh, remember, you, you, your life is not about what you do. Your value is not in your performance or production. Your value is based on the love of God. And so we're not into a new legalism by any means. We want to experience the rest that Jesus is talking about here in Mark chapter 2. So our prayer for you is that you will slow down multitasking, going 24-7, and you will stop, rest, delight, and contemplate for a 24-hour period um, each week. And that'll be a way that you'll organize your life. You'll have a rhythm in a culture that knows no rhythm. So, and again, if anything I got from Piper, Piper's essay written in 1946 was, this is a massive cultural revolution for you. This, the reason this is hard is because it is. This, no one in the city's doing it. I mean, it's not, the, it's not a citywide you know, initiative. This is ours in the middle of a culture that goes back hundreds of years. It's about work, work. You are what you do. So make no mistake about it. You may be, some of you say, I'm Chinese. I go back 5,000 years of do, do, do. I know, I know, I know, I know. All of our cultures go back. And uh, this is truly, friends, uh, countercultural. And so this is going to be experimental. You've got to learn and grow. And our panel will give you some hints today that I think that will help. So just to summarize, four qualities. Stop means, that's a literal meaning of the word Sabbath. Uh, God is God. You are not. You were not created to go for 18-hour days, sleep a few hours, get up and do it again but we stop our work because God is on the throne and we are not. And when we die, everything will go just on fine without you and me. Secondly, we, we rest. We rest from our work. And, and remember, God built us for this rhythm. And when you work seven days a week and are go, 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 whether it's paid or unpaid, you do violence to the image of God in you. That's why you feel exhausted, burnt out, and cranky. Because you're hardwired for a rhythm of work and stopping and, and resting. And nutrients go into your soil that otherwise could not. And so we don't Sabbath for the sake of work so we can do better the other six days. We don't Sabbath to get injected with energy. No, we Sabbath for the Lord our God. We do it for him. So as we do stop, rest, delight, it's with an awareness that we do this unto the Lord our God. That's what makes it so distinct from a day off. Then we delight if it's a day that's a drag for you, you've missed the whole point. God delighted in the first Sabbath. 
And uh, we delight in the aha of the gift of creation, the gift of people, the gift of nature, the gift of food, and, and the lovely, beautiful, pleasing creation God has given us. And whatever gives you life, that's what Sabbath's about, friends. And uh, uh, really entering into it in that for our children. And then finally, of course, we, we contemplate. God's the center of Sabbath. And as I like to say, it's a snow day every week. Seven weeks of snow days plus three days. And it's a gift that we are to receive. And the goal of Sabbath is that it might infuse and impact your work the other six days. That maybe you're not quite as driven. Maybe you're resting a bit, even in the midst of your work. You're delighting more in people and what you're doing because it's infused some of these qualities of Sabbath into your life. So, uh, so we've had these, this initiative. We've got a whole lot of materials available to help you. And downstairs and at the book table, there's some books. We've gotten two. We encourage you to, to pick them up. We've got a, some t-shirts. If you're into t-shirts, uh, you know, it's wonderful. The proceeds will go to CDC, but get a t-shirt. It says Sabathon. It's very cute. Um, we've got some pens. They don't work that well, but they're cute. Um, I got one last week. But they do say stop, rest, delight, and contemplate on it. And uh, uh, and then on the website, there's a number of resources, and, and there's some frequently asked questions on there that are excellent. Please go to that, download it, look at it. And uh, we encourage you to start with a candle, because everywhere in ancient and contemporary Judaism, uh, they've used candles to begin and end Sabbath. And so we just decided, as a community, let's uh, we're, try it for part of your tradition. Let's start with a candle at 6 and end with a candle at 6 the next day, 24 hours, just to give it a starting and an end point and uh, the few candles left untold downstairs as well. So again, our prayer and hope is that this will help you cultivate your personal relationship with Jesus and that you will taste eternity. You'll taste eternal Sabbath rest. You'll taste something of heaven and you will hunger and thirst for more of him as a result. And that there'll be fruit that's gonna show up in your work actually the other six days once you grasp and enter more deeply into Sabbath. So with that, I'd like to invite my wonderful panel participants forward. And uh, what we're going to do is, I've invited six people here, six of our finest, kind of like New York's service, New York's finest. And I, I, we've asked these six to come because they're at different stages of life, and each of them are doing Sabbath keeping, and they're at different stages of their development, different challenges and strengths. And uh, I'm going to have them and lead them through kind of a sharing of, of their perspectives, uh, on, on Sabbath. And so, sorry, here you go. And so let me begin. We have here, we have uh, Rich, and uh, Rich and Rosie have a, uh, uh, a young baby, and they're doing Sabbath. You got Peter and Myrna, they have a 12 year old uh, junior high schooler. Uh, Jackie's got three children from ages 24 to Ruthie's 11, 11 to 11. Span, she's got a good age span, her and her husband. And you've got Abby, who is single, and, and David Sue, who is single. Abby's a student, actually. And, David is a uh, master's student, but he also has a full-time job. So we've got a pretty good range here uh, of folks trying to wrestle with all the complexities. And I think you'll find, as we found first service, uh, it was tremendous uh, discussion. So why don't we begin with, uh, I guess we'll go this way again. Rich, why don't we start with yourself and just give us a, maybe a you know, two-minute introduction to your journey with, with Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, I started keeping Sabbath actually when I started uh, pastoring here uh, a year and a half ago. And um, so it's, it's been a, 
a up and down experience with me. And there's a couple of reasons why I didn't keep Sabbath prior to a year and a half ago. One was, um, quite frankly, I didn't think Sabbath I had any right to keep Sabbath because I thought it was the property of Jewish people and Seventh-day Adventists. And so it was like, that's their thing. I can't even touch it, you know? So, uh, so that kept me from keeping it. Uh, secondly, uh, I didn't keep Sabbath because I was part of church cultures that emphasized work and activity more than they did rest. And so the, the mark of a mature Christian was how many ministries you were involved in. So how many, just four, that's it, you know? So it's just like, I'm up to seven, you know? And, and you would get glamorized based on how many ministries you are a part of. And third, I didn't keep Sabbath because if I'm honest with myself, there's something within me that bases my value on my production, on my activity. And so if I'm not accomplishing something, something about me doesn't feel right. And so when I started keeping Sabbath, um, initially it was, a, it was a struggle because I'm a perfectionist. And I would look at these four categories there as a to-do list. And I was not entering to Sabbath. It was just like, okay, I did stop, check, you know? I did rest, <laughs> awesome. Oh, I forgot to delight, oh no. Oh, and then I get guilt trips, and then I'm just like, I messed up the whole Sabbath because it's all about me just meeting these checklists. And so once I realized that, you know, Sabbath is, is about what gives you life. Sabbath is about those things that replenish you, uh, the things that refresh you, uh, those things that center you on God. Then I was able to say, okay, now I, I can see how I can keep Sabbath in a way that's more congruent with who I am. And so my wife and I have been doing it, and although it's, it's not as neat as we would like it to be, um, it has been replenishing for us uh, as we've taken, especially the last couple of months. Okay, okay. Peter. Um, I grew up in Maine. Uh, my, we had a small farm. My father was a carpenter. He was also an alcoholic. And so um, I inherited his alcoholism in the form of workaholism. So to stop and not be doing something was just foreign to everything within me. And uh, every part of who I was fought against that. And for, for years, God uh, worked in my heart and in my, uh, just in my being to try to break free from that workaholism. And uh, the Sabbath really started to click with uh, my wife and I and our son about five years ago. Uh, both Myrna and I were working here at the church. And most all of our conversations centered around work. And um, she decided to go visit her family in South America, in Colombia. And uh, I stayed here. And during that time, those three weeks while she was there in Columbia visiting, we would talk on the phone every day, but we only talked about us. And we didn't talk about work at all. And when she came back from Columbia, I felt really close. And like a lot of the obstacles that had been in the way in our relationship were no longer there. And uh, so a light kind of went on. And, and, and I was like, wow, we, we can do this even though she's not in Columbia. <laughs> and we can... <laughs> We can be close. And so we decided then uh, that we would try to have a time every week when we would not talk about work. And so we were, we were trying to remove work from our lives for a period of time each week. That was five years ago. And then things have developed since then. So, Mirna. Thank you. So at the beginning of that decision that we made, um, it was interesting because we still did uh, a lot of things during the Sabbath time and like work and we still use computers and uh, do other chores. So it's starting to feel more like um, work day, like a day off. And then um, we realized that something that will help us 
uh, will be setting a time. So we are starting to set in a time on Fridays, it starts at 6, ends up on Saturday at 6 in the afternoon. And it, uh, it did make the difference for us. And we've been doing this for the last two years. Um, and it's just setting up a, a time. We just don't do computers, phones. Uh, I like to cook. For me, it's very important to have a nice meal at the beginning of the Sabbath and at the end of the Sabbath. But I love to cook. So uh, that's, what I, that's what we do. So um, it was good for us to put a frame. Thank you. So, so what we do is uh, Friday, if, we get, if we're done work at a decent time, Myrna will cook a meal and we'll enjoy a meal together and then we'll watch a movie as a family. Saturday morning, we sleep in. We don't get up until we are ready to get up. Could be 11 o'clock, you know, or 12. We just sleep in, you know. And then we have breakfast together and we'll have a devotional time. And so we, we'll, I'll pick usually a scripture verse that we'll use. It's small, five verses or six. We'll each share one verse and kind of go around, and then we'll wait quietly before God and let Him speak to us on those verses that we read. And after, then we'll share, well, I feel like God was saying to me that I need to, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll pray for ourselves, and, and we're done. It takes 15 or 20 minutes. We have a little devotional time. And after that, we get to go do whatever we want. We, we don't use our cell phones. We keep the phones off. We keep the computer off. I'll go play music because I like to do that. Jose will go play with his friends. Myrna will read or play Sudoku or something. You know what I mean? And we just relax until 6 o'clock. And then, and then we're back at doing the things that need to be accomplished. Good. Thank you, Peter. Jackie. So um, I didn't come from a Christian family. So uh, the first church that my husband and I attended didn't have Sabbath as a discipline. So it was a non-issue for me. I didn't know anything about it. Um, so when I came here and we started, you know, we started learning about it, I started taking my Sabbath by myself, and that was on a Saturday. Um, and at the same time, and that was wonderful. You know, it was great for me. I, I wasn't struggling in any way with it, but. Um, we were also keeping Advent, and so the springboard, you know, for everybody, I think there's some sort of triggering event that really kind of makes things click for you. So um, for us, it was this past year, we have been keeping the Advent together as a family, and every night we would read together, we would light our candle, we would pray, and when we finished this past um, winter with Advent, it just felt like, wow, why can't we just keep doing this? And so we, that was our transitioning event to, into Sabbath once a week. And um, we started doing it. So we do the things that we like to do. We also, um, uh, we start with a candle and we do some, well, let me, let me just back up a little bit. The thing is for us, unlike a lot of the folks here on the panel, we have different hours. So my husband is working on Saturday. I'm off on Saturday. Um, so what we have done actually is we start on Friday night. Uh, I start on my Sabbath on Friday night, and I go into Sunday evening. The rest of them kind of kick in on Saturday night. So Saturday night we light our candle together. Um, we cook because we love to cook. Everybody in my family pretty much likes to cook. So we cook together, um, and we have a, a book that we chose. We like suspense books. So we got this Christian book that we're reading together, which also triggers conversation because we can talk about different themes in the book. And um, then we will play games together. We'll watch a movie. Um, you know, we were all kind of into the Olympics, so we did that together. Anything, you know, go to the park, walk, um, any, any kind of things that we can enjoy together that, um, you know, that really bring us life and aren't draining. Those are the kinds of things that, that we do. 
Um, so it's been, it's been a great journey. It's unexpected uh, in some ways, but um, I think it's been a learning experience for all of us. Jack, let me just make sure it's clear for the tape, so it's clear, everybody. So you start Friday nights, and you go till Sunday morning. Sunday, right. Uh, but your husband, he works Saturday, so David comes in Saturday nights. Right, exactly. And he goes to Sunday night, but you work Sunday. Exactly. Okay, so you're exactly. supposed to go Saturday. Exactly. Friday night through Sunday morning. And I'm off on Monday, so if we try to do Monday, the kids are in school on Monday. So you get the picture? You gotta, you, you know, you have to be a little bit creative sometimes and try to fit the pieces together. But it fits really nicely with us because that Saturday becomes, a, a, you know, that's the time we come together. And the Friday into Saturday, you know, I relax. I read on my own. I sleep late. You know, it's a rich time for me to have that time alone. Um, and but the, the thing I wanted to really say too is it takes preparation, and that's a big thing. Um, is because we can't fall into it. We need to prepare during the week to do that. Good. Okay, Abby. Right. I I did grow up in a Christian family. I'm the fifth child, and there are now 12 kids in my family. So pretty much one every uh, one every few years is how we're spaced out. So for pretty much uh, as long as I can remember, probably sometime in elementary school, my dad decided that he wanted to start keeping Sabbath as a family. So. The thing that sticks out to me the most when I think about Sabbath is our Saturday night meal that we have. We start at Saturday night and our Sabbath ends on Sunday night. And uh, Pastor Pete said that Sabbath is like having a snow day every week. And I would say my family's Sabbath was like having Thanksgiving dinner every week. So <laughs> it's a pretty good setup. <laughs> um, my mom would spend all day cooking and my dad would walk around the house saying Sabbath is coming and we'd all like roll our eyes because that mean, meant we had to clean everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but it was worth it. You know, at six o'clock Sabbath would start and uh, dinner was usually on the table by 6.30 and we'd light a candle and my dad would pray and we'd sing the well, dog song. Abby, excuse me, we have a Sabbath phone call. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, my, uh, we'd sing the doxology as a family and then eat. We tried to keep candles on all throughout dinner when we first started, but that didn't really work with all the kids knocking things over and passing things. <laughs> so, uh, and then we'd spend the rest of the night just uh, hanging out, playing games. Uh, my dad played guitar, so we'd sing worship songs and go to church Sunday morning. And another one of our favorite parts of Sabbath was our sun Sunday afternoon nap which is, I still, it's my favorite thing to do. And uh, I think a nap is a really great thing to do on the Sabbath because it's a symbol that we can do absolutely nothing and God still loves us because it's not about what we do. Thank so. you, Abby. Wonderful. Mr. David Sue. So I grew up in a Christian family too and my dad tried to do what her dad did, but when he said, um, you know, we all church and all, we're at church all day, no TVs and movies and he had no shopping, the problem is, like, my friends and I at church, like, after church, we go shoplifting for candy. So it sort of didn't, didn't work out the way it was supposed to. But, um, Thank you, Dave. That's very helpful. College. <laughs> Since I graduated, uh, when I graduated from Wheaton in 94, I decided I was going to sort of start, like, low bar. So I started, like, an annual Sabbath, just once a year. So I take 24 hours and, you know, do reflection, all this stuff. And then um, a few years ago, I started, uh, you know, like, people go to the dentist twice a year. So I decided to do, like, an emotional, healthy check dentist. Like, check twice a year. So I see Jay Fell twice a year. 
And since I have to give him money, it forces me to take a Sabbath before I see him. Because like, I don't want to waste my money or my time. So I, I take a Sabbath and I reflect and all that stuff. And um, something I, I'm trying to do this year, I'm trying to do it once a month where I'm like, I'll stop for a full 24 hours and do all the reflection. But um, I, I actually brought up my Sabbath kit. And I made this up. So what I, right now, I don't really do the 24 hours yet. I'm like at 18, but I'm, you know, I'm, like, I'm trying to get there. So like, I do like, I have my candle. I have a candle. I actually use like, sure, thanks. I actually use, I drink like a hot drink. Because otherwise, like, I drink everything really fast. But then when I get a hot tea, it burns my tongue, and so it forces me to slow down. <laughs> and then I like, uh, you know, I get the classic stuff. Like I use my Bible and like Dwayne Reed, like 125, you know, get a journal. And then like the other thing is like I actually, um, these are my boxing gloves, and this is my Hapkido uniform. So like I, I grew up watching martial arts movies. So last October I decided I was going to start martial arts. So this is part of my Sabbath, because like when I do it, I feel like a kid. And it's sort of, you know, I love life again. I remember like, yeah, I have to work hard, but I'm not a slave to my job. Like, I can do stuff, and if I don't want to go, like, if I don't want to kick high, I don't have to, because it's not my job. Like, <laughs> it's up to me. So. It's wonderful. Good, all right, thank you. Well, mm. isn't it good we added Dave to the panel? All right, so. All right. Now, each of you brings something distinct, I think, that we can all learn from as well from our community that I think we can all relate to. So let me, let me, I'll start with you, Rich. We'll start with you. So, Rich, um, you have a nine-month-old daughter. So what are some of the challenges that you face with Sabbath, and what have you done to, to address them? Yeah, uh, for me, um, having a nine-month-old uh, in the house who is starting to crawl everywhere is pretty exhausting, and um, as many of you parents know, and for what it, what's what I've had to do is really redefine spirituality because for me, my ideal of Sabbath is by the end of the Sabbath or midway through the Sabbath, I'm like levitating, like I'm just like really connected with Jesus. <laughs> I'm just like in it, you know? And um, it, it's hard to do that when I have to change diapers, you know? And, and so my nine month old, I, I've really had to redefine spirituality because in the past, spirituality did not include diapers and babies throwing up and, and, and doing all that, putting her to sleep when she doesn't want to go to sleep, uh, all of those good things. And so I've really had to re redefine and say, you know what, how is God coming to me through these diapers? <laughs> <laughs> the way that I care for my daughter, the way that I care for her and spend time with her, how can that be, in a sense, a contemplative exercise where I really reflect on the ways that God cares for me? And so instead of just saying, oh, the diapers have to be done, um, it's more of a, you know what, finding joy in cleaning our nine-month-olds, uh, fixing your diapers. So one of the things, it's been challenging because my ideals of Sabbath really clash with the realities of diapers. And so I've had to really redefine it. And uh, another thing, um, someone came to me after the service because there's some stay-at-home moms who your job throughout the week is changing diapers, doing, you know, working with the, with the baby. And so when Sabbath comes, nothing changes for you. You're still doing your work. And so the question is, how do, how do stay-at-home moms, right, deal with the challenges of Sabbath when the work doesn't stop? And so one of the things that my wife and I have done is we've been really intentional with 
uh, cultivating time for ourselves. So we'll, we'll prepare babysitting with my mother-in-law and just say, let's get a couple of hours away where we can go to the movies or go to Starbucks to just enjoy each other. Or my wife, I've been able to either I'll stay with the baby for a few hours while she just goes out on her own and just enjoys herself and enjoys what she wants to do. Or, uh, you know, so we're cultivating intentional time that we're together alone, my wife and I, and when she's alone by herself, when she can just do whatever she wants. And so it's intentional, intentionality and creativity, as Jackie mentioned, but it's definitely hard work, though. Good. Yeah. All right, Peter and, and Myrna, a uh, question for you two has to do with, you know, how do you make Sabbath exciting for a 12-year-old? Uh, they have a 12-year-old Jose, a, a young, full of energy young boy. So how do you get Jose or keep him excited about the idea of Sabbath? So um, there's really three things that come to mind. Uh, one is uh, we don't work on Sabbath, so Jose does not do his homework during the Sabbath time. And that just sets him free right there. We'll be like, Jose, there's math to be done. No, no, it's not six o'clock yet. I still have my Sabbath. And uh, also his his chores so he doesn't take out the garbage on Saturday. And uh, the, the, the thing is, with, with that, though, even my own chores and things that I want to do, what I realized is Sunday after 6, those things can be done. And I think I was set free during the Sabbath when I realized that those things will wait for me. I don't have to do those chores now. I can do them later. And uh, so he really benefits from that, and he, he enjoys that. That's one thing. The second one is bacon. Jose loves bacon. And so we, Myrna makes bacon for him as a part of the breakfast that she makes on Saturday morning. And he just really enjoys that. And so sometimes with your children, when they, when they have certain things that they really enjoy or like, they, that's part of delighting. You, you could cook something for them that they like or do something that they really enjoy, and that's a part of their delighting. And, um, and then the, the, the third one really is the devotional time that we have together. And it was very hard to get Jose to sit still. We would say, we're going to be quiet, we're going to be still for a few minutes. And he just, it was impossible, it seemed at first. He began to figure it out, though, and, and it began to be valuable for him. And now, that's, we asked him, Jose, what do you like about the Sabbath? And he said, our time together with God and as a family. And I think if, you, if it's quality, um, but you have to require first that it be quality, that, that the child be still and really listen to God. And in the process of that, you trust that they are hearing God. Sometimes he says, no, I didn't hear anything. That's okay. But, you know, I'm not really sure. I think it was just me, you know, but just pro providing that atmosphere, um, those three things make it okay. exciting for him. Thank you. All right, let me go to, um, uh, let's, I'll go to Abby as a student, okay? Just, uh, you're a student now, and so how are you navigating your new challenges of being a student with Sabbath now that you're on your own? Well, yeah, one part of being a student is that I'm no longer living with my parents. I moved out of their house over two years ago, but um, they still live five blocks away from me, so I went there on the Sabbath. But uh, in August, they moved out of the state. So I had to deal with um, how do I celebrate the Sabbath out of community. And I realized that Sabbath is something that you need to celebrate in community. And growing up, I had nine other people there with me. Um, resting and eating dinner and hanging out. So when I was staying home on the Sabbath, I was still building relationships, whereas now living alone, if I stay home on the Sabbath, that means I'm not seeing people. So I had to, I have to adjust um, and realize that I do have community around me, that I do have friends, and that I have to be intentional about 
uh, making plans with them on Sabbath. So that could be going out for lunch with people after church on Sunday and or uh, making dinner with my friends on a Saturday night. Um, one of the other struggles of being a student is that I'm in school full time and working part time. And there's the challenge in my mind of how am I going to provide for myself? How am I going to make enough money to eat, to pay my rent, to pay for my Metro card if I'm stopping one day a week? I'm in school four days. Um, the days I'm off, I need to work. And I just lifted that up to God. And when I took my new job, I told my boss, listen, I need Sundays off. Like, I, I can't work then. And he was kind of like, oh, all right, well, but he's been okay with it. And I haven't worked a Sunday since July. Um, so God has shown me that when I embrace the gift of the Sabbath, that he's also faithful and he will provide for everything else. That's good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, David. Dave, you're, you're full-time. You work at Macy's in marketing, full-time, and then you're also part-time in a master's program, MBA. So how are you juggling those two very intense things and with Sabbath? Uh, I think how am I juggling it? I try to be flexible, um, but at the same time, I, um, I, I guess I look at the benefits, for example, um, because I know that I remember last uh, spring, I remember reading the paper, the Wall Street Journal said 7,000 people were going to be laid off from Macy's in the support group, and marketing is in the support group. So I thought, I'm going to lose my job. And um, one of the things that, after I got over the initial shock, one of the things that Sabbath actually did for me, I sort of, I said it's sort of like, uh, you know, in Matrix, they have like the red pill and the blue pill. It was, it's like the blue pill, because, you know, it, was, it helped me redefine reality. It's like, oh my goodness, no, God is in control, you know? And so, you know, I, I was concerned. I had to work on it. But at the same time, I was like, God is in control. And I was like, oh, wow, like, Jesus died for my sins. And so, like, I'm free. I'm not a slave to my job. And so that's one of the things that um, Sabbath has really done to help me, just helps me sort of have God's perspective on life most of the time. And then um, two other things that have helped me is, uh, or two other ways it helps me, is um, I mentioned I, I see you know, JFL for counseling sometimes and twice a year, but I know that if I didn't take Sabbaths just because of my schedule, like, I would be seeing Jay, like, every week. And it's really expensive. Like, you know, counseling, like, it's great, but it costs money. So, you know, I'm saving myself some bucks. And the other thing is, um, I think it helped my, my, my friends because if I didn't do Sabbaths and my life was going crazy, like, I would be calling them, like, every other day, like, just stressed out. And they would get sick of me. They'd be like, Dave, you're calling me again with the same thing you said yesterday. What's your problem? But, um, but taking Sabbaths, it, it really has helped me sort of have a better cadence of life. Um, so that's sort of how it's helped me. That's wonderful. All right, last question. Jack, I'm going to go to you, Jackie. What have you learned about yourself by practicing Sabbath? Well, I think um, the biggest thing I've learned is, um, is rhythm. Um, I didn't really have a rhythm, and we didn't have a rhythm as a family. Um, when we were married, my husband was in the Army, which meant his, his hours were really random. When we came back, he began to work nights, more random. Then when he finally started working days, he works on the weekend. So that you know, we were kind of all over the place. So this is a way to kind of anchor us in um, just having a stable rhythm. And the other thing, I think, is that my expectations are um, not always going to be fulfilled. And what I think maybe is um, a good thing to do is not necessarily so. Um, it would be wonderful if my kids were, you know, levitating, like Rich said, and, you know, they were just uh, ready to grab that Bible. Um, but that's, you know, that doesn't, that's not how it works. They have their own ideas. They have thoughts about what they do want to do and what they don't want to do. And I don't always necessarily, we're not always on the same wavelength, but it's helped me to understand 
God can come to them any way he chooses. Um, so to uh, teach me a little bit of humility and flexibility with that. And also, uh, our oldest son, he has his own life. And so I had to die to the idea that we were all going to be together in this kind of like, you know, Brady Bunch harmonious thing. We, it, it's not like that. And that's okay. So, you know, he's finding his journey. And then um, we are navigating. You know, one su our first Sunday, we had a fight. So, you know, that wasn't really very spiritual to me. But it didn't shake my kids at all. They were just like, hey, this is great. Let's do it again next week, you know? <laughs> so it's a learning process. Do you realize how different we would, life would be if we had this after every sermon? I mean, this is like reality of every truth that we discuss up front here. So uh, if anything we learn from this is none of us should be perfectionists. And if we're perfectionistic about Sabbath, we're missing the whole point. Right, and I think that it's a lot of learning and experiment. We mess up, and, and, uh, but these things guide us because the last thing we want to do, if anything, I really thank all of you, is that we don't want to fall into a legalism where all of a sudden this is a chore and a checkoff list as, I'm getting, as if I'm getting a brownie point with God. This is a gift to us. And you know what? We're learning, growing. We're gonna craft it you've got to craft it based on your season of life, how God's made you, your particular situation, and the Holy Spirit will guide you. So let's give these folks a really big hand. I wish we had another half hour, it was fabulous. Now I want you to do this for me. I'm gonna ask you to, 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 because we're doing this as a community. What makes this a little bit different than how, how we've approached Sabbath in the past is we recognize the need for support, the need to do this, not just me and alone, but that we're somehow connected. So I'm gonna ask that you turn to one person. If you know the person, wonderful. If you don't, please make a step out, introduce yourself. And if you're a high extrovert, connect with someone who may be sitting alone. And I want to ask you just, I'm going to give you just two minutes. What is your greatest obstacle to observing Sabbath for a 24-hour period? Right now, what's your greatest obstacle? It may be around stopping, it may be around resting, delighting, contemplating, I don't know, but what is it? And then secondly, what's one step that you can take to, for making some progress with that obstacle this week? All right, so just, I'll be the timekeeper. You have two minutes, just turn to somebody next to you and answer that question, all right? <laughs> Up in a balcony, you can do it. Great. Thirty seconds. I'll give you a signal. Thirty seconds. I'll let you know. I'm on the clock and I don't want it. 
Schweiz. All right, let's all stand together, everybody. All right, as we close here, I want to put that PowerPoint up. Be great. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and uh, I will give you rest. And, uh, you know, how can we rest in a world when there's so much misery and so much evil? There's so many problems. It's because in the final analysis, God is running the world, and all is well with him. He sees the large picture. There is eternal life, and we're not responsible for the whole world. He is. We're creatures made by him. And so in some ways, the ability to rest and pause and stop is very human. We were created for it, but it's actually very supernatural because it's so easy to live full of anxiety. Now, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And there's the image of, a, of an ox and there's a yoke. And yokes were made uh, to fit each ox in a particular way. And uh, when a yoke was, was not, did not fit right, an, an ox, then it cut into their skin and they bled and they were crushed under it. Now, some of you know what it's like to be crushed by life. And Jesus says, no, come to me and take my yoke. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy. In other words, it fits you. Now, you're under him, but it fits you. Even if you're in a difficult spot in life, it's not hard. As I said last week, if your yoke is hard and heavy, crushing, you do know it's not Jesus' yoke. Because his fits you, and it's light. Again, not saying there's not suffering and difficulty involved, but you just know it's his. So I really want to close with an invitation for, for those of you who are living to the right over here, this is where you are right now. now you may not know all the reasons why, but you want to hear the words of Jesus. Come to me. Just come to me. All you are heavy and burdened with a heavy, hard yoke. Come to me. And we're going to close, and we have the Lord's table over here to your right. We invite you to come and eat and drink of Jesus. And on the left is going to be these prayer teams. And uh, we want to invite you to come and let God break chains off you. Let God break heavy yokes off you and, and set you free. Sabbath is about freedom. Sabbath is about life. Sabbath is about delight and rest. And so it's really, it's a life, okay, that's in a spiritual formation discipline for 24 hours. But really, it's a whole life of Sabbath rest. We're headed for eternal Sabbath rest. But right now, God has this easy light yoke for you that's under his lordship. So whatever you're going through, I want to invite you to come forward for prayer. They will anoint you, and by God's grace, we will break that chain off you. So you might walk on the left side with a proper yoke that fits who you are at this season of your life. All right? Okay, so as we close, I'm going to invite you just to maybe open up your hands up towards heaven and uh, just receive a blessing, and our prayer teams will come and we'll be dismissed. And so may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord himself be kind and gracious to you. And may he flood you with his peace. And may God fill you with wisdom that you may discern his yoke 
and you may know that yoke that fits you perfectly. And may you know freedom that comes from him alone. And may Jesus truly be your rest. May he be your delight. May he be your God. And may you enjoy him. And may all the fruit of Sabbath flow into your week this week that people may feel it when they're with you, something that's not human, it's something of God. So be blessed as you go, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day. So please come. The altar workers are here.